Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Shukri Wright, host of the Shukri Wright Show at 91.5 FM WMFO. Starting up in about two minutes. Getting the system fired up here right now. Enjoy some tunes. Listen to Whiplash by Spanking Charlene. Enjoy. Be with you in two minutes. Federal government alone spends four and a half billion dollars a year locking up people for drug offenses. It costs almost $28,000 a year just to incarcerate one prisoner. Compare that to the average annual tuition at a four-year public college, which is $5,491, and you realize that the drug war is blurring our nation's priorities. Taxpayers' money would be much better spent educating people instead of punishing them. But thanks to ever-increasing mandatory minimum drug sentences, an entire class of young people are being filtered into new supermax prisons while the resulting budget crunch forces the rest of us to go to old, dilapidated schools. The more money we dump into prisons, the less we have to invest in college campuses. Visit www.schoolsnotprisons.com to find out how you can get involved in the war against the war on drugs. And a pleasant Thursday afternoon to you, wherever you may be. Filling in for subliminal yogurt today. This is indeed the Shukri Wright Show, 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford Touch Reform Radio, streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org. Wherever you may be, however you may be listening, thank you for making the show part of your Thursday afternoon. Those of you listening in the Boston area, those of you listening nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app, sincerely appreciate it. 
And last night, I was one of those who stayed up late to watch the Celtics' dominating victory over the Golden State Warriors, and that's where we're going to start the show today. Because, after all, it's truly befitting that we talk about the game, and as well as we got to talk about one particularly important player for the Boston Celtics and Marcus Smart. Because the conversation today really seems to evolve around two things. Number one, the Celtics continue to show and prove why they have been arguably the best team in the NBA since the turn of the new year. And secondly, why the conversation surrounding Marcus Smart is a conversation that needs to be had because it involved a very important player not only for the Golden State Warriors, but for the entire NBA. So that's where we're going to lead off the show today, talking about the Boston Celtics. And the phone lines are open. Call in 855-915-WMFO. 855-915-9636 is the number to call in. So, last night, Celtics win 110-88 over the Golden State Warriors. And... And a game in which that there is so many ebbs and flows to the game in which that at one point it looked like the Celtics were going to completely run away with the game. They damn near basically blew the game in the third quarter. But thankfully, thanks to guys like Marcus Smart, thanks to Jason Tatum, and as well as Jalen Brown, and the usual suspects, and also Derek White really making key plays at key opportune times in the game last night, the Celtics didn't wither away a big lead like they did in a game against the Dallas Mavericks. But the moment of the game for me and for a lot of people that took place last night was the moment in which Marcus Smart was diving for a loose ball and Steph Curry was also... Involved in the play in which that, as it turned out, his ankle got injured. And according to the latest reports from the Golden State Warriors and as well as from Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, at bare minimum, Steph Curry is going to be out until mid-April. So basically, the Warriors are going to be out without their best player for the next month. That is, without a question, a massive blow to the Golden State Warriors. Now, let me pose to you this question, Celtic fans. Do you think Marcus Smart was in the wrong last night? Was he in the wrong when it came to how he dealt with it? And also, do you think that Marcus Smart was in the wrong in regards to how he handled it on the court with with uh, head coach Steve Kerr. Because I don't know how many of you saw this, but NBC Sports Boston had its camera focused on Marcus Smart and Steve Kerr. And it seemed like Steve Kerr was really talking, or should I say, came awfully close to yelling at Marcus Smart over what had happened. A play that injured Stephen, Stephen Curry and as well as Put him on the sideline at the very least a month. Personally, I don't think that he was wrong. I don't think he was wrong whatsoever in terms of 
how he went after the basketball. I mean, we know this is what Marcus Smart does. He goes after loose balls. He hustles on the court. Yes, in the past, prior to this run, Marcus Smart has had some really questionable shots on the basketball court in which that you're, you're wondering why the hell would you shoot the basketball there? Pass the basketball, please. But he's become more of a facilitator than a shooter, which is really for the betterment of this Boston Celtics. But the thing that I keep coming back to and I keep thinking about is the Boston Celtics, as it currently stands, defensively, there is no more doubt to be had whether if this, this run that they've been on for the last two and a half months now is a mirage or are they for real? All of those doubts, those questions were answered not just last night, but last night was kind of like the exclamation mark, if you will. It was an exclamation mark and otherwise what would have been just a regular period to end a sentence on to the next. But that exclamation mark was more of like, no, the point has been made, the point has been emphasized. Because how often do you ever hear or watch a Golden State Warriors team get limited to 29% shooting from the field in the first half? Not just the first quarter, the entire first half. How often does that happen? Never. Steph Curry, prior to his injury, probably had his worst game in almost a decade. That's how dominant the Celtics' defense were against Steph Curry. And you got to give them a lot of credit because some of the best teams in the NBA have had a very rough time figuring out the Celtics' defense. But what about the Dallas Mavericks or the Detroit Pistons? Two things. If the Celtics don't get in their own way, we're blowing these massive leads. We're having an entirely different conversation in regards to in regards to the overall big picture look for the Boston Celtics, who as of today, as of right now, they're sitting fourth in the Eastern Conference. And if you were to tell me or tell me that two months ago, come mid-March, the Boston Celtics will be setting forth in the Eastern Conference and be on an absolute tier through the NBA in the last two months alone, I wouldn't have believed you. Because I was truly as down as the Celtics as the next guy was, who truly had become pretty irritable with what they were seeing from the Boston Celtics as a whole. But here's the reality. The reality is that what you're seeing right now and pertaining to guys like Derek White, who has been absolutely excellent since he has arrived to the Boston Celtics, is a commitment on a defensive floor that I am seeing night in and night out against elite teams that is working. Go ask, go ask teams like the Philadelphia 76ers. Go ask the teams like the Dallas Mavericks. Although the Celtics lost on Sunday, although they lost on Sunday, but still, 
They'll tell you. They'll suffocate you defensively and then take over offensively, and they're getting to the foul line. But in regards to Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart is not a dirty player. I've never once said or felt that he was a dirty player. However, the reason why this is a bigger story than what it normally would be is because of who it involved with. That moment in the game last night and uh, towards the end of the first half involved Steph Curry, the best shooter in the NBA, bar none right now. And the fact that if you were to ask me who was the MVP of the, Go- of the Golden State Warriors currently right now, it's Steph Curry. And then also, real quick, now that I think about it, as I'm talking about a multitude of things in regards to the Boston Celtics, Defensively, offensively, getting to the foul line, and as well as Marcus Smart. I wasn't a big fan of how Seth Curry, or should I say um, Steve Kerr, the head coach of the Golden State Warriors, spoke to Marcus Smart last night. As I'm watching the game and I'm like looking at him, I'm like, dude, seriously? If you had a problem with what happened or how Marcus Smart went about going after that loose ball and wish that it injured his star player, have that conversation in the tunnel. Not when all of the cameras are eyed upon you and things get taken out of context, and then now you have to go to the media to explain what happened and what was said, and then somewhere along the line, somehow things get taken out of context. You have that conversation in private, away from the cameras. And then also, I get that they, they work together on Team USA and so forth. I get all of that. That's all nice and buddy and whatever. But personally, I don't give a damn. I don't give a damn in the sense that why is that important exactly? Is, do you think that's really the reason why that Steph Curry didn't, didn't go after um, Marcus Smart? Is that the reason why do you think that Steve Kerr refuse to annihilate or verbally abuse Marcus Smart after that play? No. Because at the end of the day, it wasn't a dirty play. That's number one. And then number two, Marcus Smart alluded to it in the postgame that those two, they have, a, they have a, working, a good working relationship. Especially in international basketball play. But I do know this. If you're the Boston Celtics, after that win last night, whew, man, you really have to feel awfully good about where they, where they currently are right now. Because the Celtics, they continue to trend in the right direction. But I also do know this, though. The Celtics continue to show exactly how and why They are becoming, if not already, among the elite teams in the NBA. Because that whole game last night was just, it was a lot of fun to watch. I'll be honest with you. And as much as I I was talking about earlier in this segment about the Celtics nearly blowing a big lead yet again, you got to give credit 
you got to give credit to the Celtics of how they were able to stop the momentum of the Golden State Warriors in the fourth quarter. In comes Peyton Pritchard. And you can go up and down the list of players for the Boston Celtics who have really stepped up huge during this last two-and-a-half-month stretch of basketball. Obviously, you need to buy in from your, from your star players, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. You need Jason Tatum to become that alpha dog on the team, which he is now. But Derek White, his efforts have not gone unnoticed. Peyton Pritchard, his efforts and his performances have not gone unnoticed as well. And you talk about someone who, who you, if you told me that when, when Derek White was first acquired in a trade um, just a, a couple months ago, that he'd be as important to the team as he is now, I wouldn't have believed you. I would not have believed you at all. But man, there's a lot to like about this team based on what I've seen so far. They have another big game coming up on coming up on Friday night against the Sacramento Kings. They should have no problems getting the dub for that game, but of course nothing is guaranteed in the NBA. But the Celtics are going to have to address an issue in regards to blowing these big leads lately. They got away with one. They got away with one last night. But you don't need to give a team like the Sacramento um, Kings. That is a bottom seller in the Western Conference, any sort of motivation. And you sure as hell can't afford to do that against a better team, one of the elite teams in the Western Conference, on Sunday evening when they play the Denver Nuggets in Denver. So with that being said, head coach Ime Adolka is going to have to figure this out. Why is that this team is losing focus when they get out into these 25, 30-point leads and allowing these opposing teams to get back into the game. Because that was something that really did stand out to me last night, as like this is the second time in less than a week that this has happened. This is happening too often. Got to correct that. You got to correct that fast. The number to call in is 855-915-WMFO. 855-915-9636 is the number to call in. Coming up next, we're going to talk about Major League Baseball. And the one question that I do have for the Boston Red Sox moving forward for the 2022 season. How are they going to address the pitching rotation? We'll talk about it together. Coming up next, right here on the Shooky Right Show, filling in for Subliminal Yogurt, 91.5 FM WMFO with Medford Touch Reform Radio. Grinspoon, Associate Professor Emeritus of Psychiatry at the Harvard Medical School. Back in 1966, concerned that so many young people were harming themselves through the use of marijuana, 
I began to review the medical and scientific literature to help clarify the nature of this harmfulness. Much to my surprise, I discovered that it was a substance remarkably free of toxicity. In fact, it is far safer than any pharmaceutical or recreational drug. There is no record of a single overdose death from its recreational or medicinal use. Marijuana is one of the most studied substances. I believe that it is high time that this country reconsider its stance on cannabis. Change ever since we was on. I dreamed it all. 
ever since I was young They said I won't be nothing Now they always say congratulations Worked so hard, forgot how to vacation They ain't never had the dedication People hate and say we change and look, we made it Yeah, we made it Welcome back to the Shukri Wright Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford Touch Reform Radio. Streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org. The number to call in is 855-915-WMFO. 855-915-9636 is the number to call in. I'm here with you until 4 o'clock this afternoon. I'm only here for an hour today. If you missed uh, Monday's program, the show is up on demand on the Shukri's podcast on iHeartRadio. As will this program, the special edition of the Sugar Ray Show, today from 3 to 4 on 91.5 FM WMFO. After this program is concluded, it'll be uploaded probably later tonight. And it'll be up on iHeartRadio as well as and all across all major uh, podcast platforms and so forth. Now, in terms of baseball, we know that we we knew that once the lockout ended, that that the free agency period was going to be pretty eventful. That we knew. So it's no shock or no surprise that we are seeing a flurry of transactions that have happened over the last few days across Major League Baseball, in which it at times has felt a bit dizzying, rather exciting for some teams, very disappointing for other teams. And I get that. It's, I mean, it was never going to be perfect, so to speak. So, so if as it pertains to the Boston Red Sox, I truly wondered exactly what is their plan going into the 2022 season. And I really wonder, especially after the Red Sox lose Kyle Schwarber as he is heading to the Philadelphia Phillies, what is the plan for the Red Sox in 2022? Here's a clip here from Heim Bloom speaking with reporters from yesterday down in Fort Myers. Um, this is what he had to say. There's been a lot of time for everybody around the industry to think and, and plan. And so we've been reconnecting um, really with the same objectives in mind. Uh, we talked about this before the lockout that uh, bullpen was going to be a priority for us. Uh, that we do want to still add position players to the group. Uh, you know, the trade we made uh, on December 1st kind of flipped our lineup balance a little bit uh, to where we have an opening for the right-handed bat. But that said, you know, in this period, especially with so much going on and so much flying, so many conversations, we want to be nimble enough to take advantage of, of all opportunities. The nice thing about the way our roster uh, sits right now is that there, you know, we are in a position to be able to accommodate uh, a lot of different types of talented players. Obviously, there's some positions uh, where we're pretty well set and pretty well spoken for, but uh, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, we can't accommodate uh, good talent if it makes sense for us. That was Hein Bloom speaking with reporters, and and based on hearing that, 
I am le- I'm led to believe now that if you are the Boston Red Sox, if you're a Red Sox fan, don't be surprised if there aren't any more major moves to be made in regards to addressing the pitching. Because a lot has been said in terms of who the Red Sox may be in on. Many people wanted Kyle Schwaber to return, but he is gone now. He's going to the Philadelphia Phillies, as I mentioned. Um, Seiya Suzuki, he's agreed to a contract with the Chicago Cubs. And Matt Chapman is going to the Toronto Blue Jays as he was dealt from the Oakland A's to Toronto. But if there is one thing that I believe that I am in universal agreement with, with other Boston sports media personalities in this market as to what are the Red Sox' biggest needs going into 2022 season as spring training has officially begun with the exhibition game against the Minnesota Twins, which is in progress right now. That is that they need to do something about their pitching. Now, the only moves that they've made in regards to the pitching is the Red Sox, they added two left-handed relievers in Jake Diekman and Matt Strom. That's it. And the question does beg, is there anything else or anything more that's coming? And this is what Bloom said. This goes back to what he said in the clip. He said that I'm actually glad you asked that because I want to be able to take our fans behind the curtain. When you start looking at it that way, that's when you get in trouble. The important thing is to focus on what you're doing, not to focus on what everybody else is doing and not to focus on what kind of splash you might be able to make. That doesn't sound very promising. We're not focused on what anyone else is doing. Well, of course not. That's not, that's not what, what's being asked. What is your plan in regards to dealing and improving the pitching staff? Because here's the reality. As much as some Red Sox truly believe that the Red Sox were in on Freddie Freeman before he signed his big free agent deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers, I still felt that the priority needed to be pitching. How are they going to address the pitching staff? And that's the concern. Because right now, Until you know more what you're going to get from Jake Diekman and Matt Strom, those two left-handed arms have been added to the bullpen and nothing more. I still think that the pitching side still has areas of concern. The offense, I'm not worried about. I'm not even going to talk about the offense because the offense, I believe, will be fine. Bobby Dahlbeck, he'll continue to evolve. And I think it's fair to say that you know what to expect from Rafael Devers, J.D. Martinez, and Alexander Bogarts. You know what you're going to get from those three. But I also will say this as well. Pitching-wise, I'm not so sure that's entirely a guarantee. Even if you go and you look at the rotation as it currently stands. Oh, by the way, speaking of the rotation, Chris Sale is not going to be ready for the start of the season. Fractured rib. So when the news broke yesterday, and that was really the big reason why I decided that I was going to use this show today to talk about it, when the news broke about Chris Sale yesterday, my first thought was, here we freaking go again. Here we go again. 
injury after injury after injury for a guy that is turning 33 on March 30th. This is bad news for the Boston Red Sox starting rotation. Because right now, this is what your rotation looks like. Nathan Uvalde, he's going to be your opening day starter. Nick Pavetta, Tanner Hoek, and, and Connor Siebold, if he in fact cracks the, the rotation. But man, who's your, number fi- who's your number five starter? I don't know who your number five starter is going to be, and I guess that's what string training is going to be for, to have that competition to figure out who's going to be your number five starter. Because... But the way that the schedule is currently constructed and the way things are looking going into the season, and who knows when Chris Sell will, in fact, return, I'm not so confident in the starting rotation in regards to the innings that they're going to need to get from the starters, especially when you consider that the season is compounded. They're playing 162 games, yes, However, it is compounded because you're now going to be playing a lot of doubleheaders this season because of the the delay due to the lockout. And you need to have a a five-man rotation. And again, we don't know how long Chris Sale is going to be out for. And considering his injury history, I really would be very concerned. Don't fool yourself into thinking that well, we've, we've made it this far without him. We'll be just fine. You went into 2022 expecting that Chris Sale was going to be a big part of your rotation. And rightfully so. But the reality with him being out now is you have to ask Heim Bloom the following. Are you going to look in a free agent market and see what's out there in terms of pitching? Because pitching is going to be... So important this year. It's, imp- it's important every single year, for sure. But in a year in which that everything is compounded, and now with the schedule officially being out, the revised schedule for the 2022 Major League Baseball season, you really see how compounded the schedule is in terms of double headers. So you need the arms. And if you were to tell me that Ivaldi, Pavetta, Hoak, and Siebold we're going to be the four guys going into the season in your rotation. I don't know how you could try to sell me or play the fool's goal and, and say that what we have is good enough to compete in the AL East. I don't know how. I don't see how. I don't feel confident. I don't feel confident in a sense of what are you realistically going to get out of Tannehawk? What are you realistically going to get out of Seabold? You know what you're getting from Nathan Eovaldi. He's shown you that. So that's why I am not worried about him at all. I'm really not. But it's after Eovaldi where the concern lies. And rightfully so. So if you have any thoughts on the Red Sox pitching rotation and concerns, call me at 855-915-WMFO. 855-915-9636 is the number to call in. But the bullpen help, yes, sure. I like the move adding Matt Strom and, and, and Jake Diekman as well. I like the move in terms of bullpen help, for sure. But outside of that, what are we doing? You need the pitching. You need help with the pitching rotation. 
and I'm sure one more arm in the bullpen can't hurt you. Unless if you're looking at Garrett Whitlock being a bullpen arm, if he was a terrific arm out of the bullpen last season for the Red Sox, I'm not entirely sure that you have enough for your rotation as it currently stands. Because I'm of the mindset now that you always have to prepare for when Chris Sale gets hurt. Not if, when. Because I hate to break it to you this way, but Chris Sale is a walking injury away from missing significant time. Go look at his recent history. I'm not making fun of him whatsoever. By any stretch of the imagination, I'm putting out there on the record. But if we're being brutally honest, Chris Sale is a walking injury away from missing significant time, and if you don't have the pitching depth in your rotation to be able to withstand the loss of Chris Sale in your rotation, you're in a world of trouble. And this is why I am of the belief that if I am Heim Bloom, you are looking aggressively to see what's on the pitching market to supplement your rotation until Chris Sale returns or even for the duration of the entire 2022 season. Because, Lord, if the season starts tomorrow, and it doesn't, but once the season starts on April 7th in New York against the Yankees, and your rotation remains what it is currently right now, according to the depth chart, you are going to be in rough shape, especially out of the gate. Because you need arms. You need arms in the rotation that's going to be able to give you length. This is a really interesting time for the Boston Red Sox in regards to the moves that they make, what they do to address the rotation, and big picture in terms of the pitching overall. Offensively, they'll be fine. I'm not worried about them in that regard in the slightest bit. I really do believe that Another season of Enrique Hernandez. He's going to be productive. Bobby Dahlbeck will rake. I'm not worried. Rafael Devers will rake as he always has. Bogarts will rake. He'll be fine. I am curious to see what Alex Verdugo does this season, considering that this will be his, what, his, his third full season with the Boston Red Sox? Yeah, his third full season. So I'm curious to see what kind of step forward can Alex Verdugo make. And the interesting question in terms of the outfield, what are you going to get from Jackie Bradley Jr.? Yes, he is He is a, a member of the Boston Red Sox again. Yes. I mean, they traded away Hunter Renfro to bring back Jackie Bradley Jr., which I sincerely don't understand that move at all whatsoever, but that's neither here or there. So offensively, I'm not worried. It's the pitching that should have you concerned. If you have any thoughts on that, Call into the program at 855-915-WMFO, 855-915-9636, as I'm here with you until 4 o'clock, only for another 20 minutes or so. And we are going to take another music break. So coming up next, what happened last night? What the Boston Bruins? If there was ever a time that we needed to have a conversation about the Bruins... Not out of panic, not out of panic, but have an honest conversation about the Boston Bruins. It'll be about last night's game. We're going to do that coming up next on the other side of this music break. 
You're listening to the 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford, Tushy from Radio Streaming Nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app, globally on WMFO.org. Vicky, how you doing? How's the knee? It's coming along, doctor, but still some soreness. Well, let's see. You know, this soon after surgery, some pain is pretty normal. I was hoping to get more painkillers. The first round worked great. We're being very careful with those now. Prescription painkillers are opioids, same as heroin. It's easy to start taking them, not so easy to stop. Last year in America, an average of 40 people died from opioid abuse every day. Long-term addiction has become America's newest health epidemic. So no pills? Vicki, you're doing great. So let's try these anti-inflammatories, plus your physical therapy. If the soreness doesn't continue to get better, give me a call. For opioids, the smaller the dose prescribed and taken, the better. Because even a few prescription painkillers can sometimes go a long, wrong way. A message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons and the Orthopedic Trauma Association. Visit orthoinfo.org slash prescription safety.
knocking on your door And I still can knock some more Ooh, girl, ooh, girl Is it feasible? I wanna know now For I to knock some more Welcome back to the Shook Right Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford Touch Freeform Radio. Streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org. It is always good to listen to some Bob Marley on a rainy day in Boston, in greater Boston. And um, just gets you in a very relaxed mood, you know what I mean? So, so I had to use that opportunity to play some reggae. And, and uh, it, it clearly got the attention of my mother who... Um, who who is listening and uh just want to give you a shout out real quick love you mom and i just uh i couldn't help it so so with that being said we got about just a little under 10 minutes remaining in the program so i figured i'd just touch on quickly on the bruins game last night um in which that the bruins had the three game winning streak snapped as they lose to the minnesota wild 4 to 2 it was the second game of a back to back and the Bruins, they fell behind early. They fell behind early 2-0. Um, 
and and then the Bruins were able to uh, to tie it up um, after 40 minutes, but then Jordan Greenway's goal at 7:56 of the third period provided to be the game winner. Um, in which that the Wild they were absolutely struggling going into that game. They were on trading downwards, and there was concern as to whether if the Wild had lost their identity and whether if they could, you know, like figure things out before the playoffs arrived. And and personally, the the, the Stanley Cup playoffs are right around the corner. In which that if there is a time that you need to really right the ship if you're a team that's struggling right now and you're in the playoff picture now would be the time and the Minnesota Wild they came out a bit hungry and the Bruins just they just didn't have it last night they didn't have it last night and and Bruce Cassidy acknowledged that in the, in the post game presser in which that he said that you know like they were better than us in the third period and the, and the Bruins they did a bad job of managing the puck and you know like considering that they were playing back-to-back games, not using that as an excuse. But you didn't see the Bruins have the same kind of hunger that the Minnesota Wild did, and especially in that third period last night, which was which is a little bit disappointing to see considering that like the Bruins have done a pretty good job on by and large part um, like bringing the intensity like in the third period, especially on, like, on the road. But last night was just different where you saw that this this Minnesota Wild team was a team that could that could really ramp it up when they're playing their game, and that's what it was. So ultimately, when you when you look back at last night's game, although the Bruins they they were able to claw their way back after falling behind two nothing early in the game, the fact of the matter is, is that the Bruins they just did not have that hunger. In that third period, and it showed, and especially on that Jordan Jordan Greenway goal, that in itself, I thought that was the straw that brought the Camels back for the Bruins last night in their game. So, if you have any thoughts on the Bruins, Red Sox, Celtics, I did talk Celtics for all of the entire first segment to start the show. Call in the eight five five nine one five WMFO eight five five nine one five nine six three six is the number to call into the program, and. As I sit here right now on Thursday, March 17th, we are four days away from the NHL trading deadline. Four more days. And I think it's fair to say now things begin to pick up. Now things are beginning to swirl in terms of rumors, in terms of what are the bees going to do? What are the Bruins are going to do? On Monday's show, I talked about and gave you a pretty good list of Names that the Bruins could potentially, like, you know, I, that's going to help this team improve. Because if anything else, last night showed me that the Bruins need reinforcements. They deserve reinforcements. They, they have figured out the secondary scoring woes. So I'm not worried about that whatsoever. And that's no longer a concern, but there are areas in regards to this team in which that the Bruins really could use some help on. And that's where we're going to spend the next few minutes of the show talking about some of the things that the Bruins could really use in regards to in regards to help at the trade deadline. So this was written earlier today by Fluto Shinzawa, the Bruins writer for The Athletic. 
and this is something that he wrote earlier that, that caught my attention. He wrote, the Bruins believe they are in the hunt for Jacob Chitron. The Coyotes may not agree. Word around the two clubs is that whatever the Bruins are currently offering is unlikely to outdo the other parties interested in the left-shot defenseman. Los Angeles is also making a pitch for the 23-year-old Chitron, according to multiple sources. Colleague Scott Wheeler classifies the Kings as having the number two prospect pool in the league. The Bruins are number 27, end quote. So based on that, I don't think you really you really have much of a chance to get Jacob Chitron because of that last part there. The Kings, their farm system, loaded. Absolutely loaded. The Bruins, they're basically rendered obsolete. And then the prospect that you do have, they're deemed untouchable. Most notably, John Beecher. Most notably, even more so, Fabian Lysel. So, if we're going to have an honest conversation... I don't think the Bruins are going to end up with Jacob Chitron because of what, what the Arizona Coyotes are asking for. It is now unlikely. That last part to me was probably the part that you go to Don Sweetie and you say, damn, really? We don't even have the, the prospects to trade to get a Jacob Chitron. And based on what the team is potentially offering for, for Jacob Chitron, the Coyotes are like, why should we take that when we got better offers elsewhere? And that sucks for you because the Bruins need a left-handed shot defenseman in that discussion. And right now, Jacob Chitron doesn't look like the guy that the Bruins are going to be able to get. Does it mean that they're screwed? No. Because I talked about Keith Yandel the other day on Monday's show. And I do think he is a good alternate option in terms of a left-handed shot defenseman. Keith Yandel is that guy. He doesn't miss games. He's very durable. And he has playoff experience. So all hope is not lost in regards to the Boston Bruins in terms of getting a left-handed shot defenseman. But right now, in terms of a Jacob Chitron trade with the Arizona Coyotes, you might as well kiss it goodbye. Because... That is not likely right now. Their number one left-handed shot defenseman prospect is Mason Lohray. He was the 58th overall pick in the 2020 NHL draft. The Bruins are not willing to part ways with him. And as I mentioned, Fabio Lysel, he's the number one right-wing prospect for the Bruins who was drafted a year ago at number 21. And we all have seen what Fabian Lysel has been able to do in the minors so far with the Vancouver Giants in the WHL. So, if they were to acquire Jacob Chitron, they would have to include the 2022 first-round pick in the package. And at this point, the Bruins are not in any position to trade away the number one overall, not the number one, but rather their first-round first pick, excuse me. They're not in position to include their first-round pick in 2022 NHL draft. So, I don't know about you. But now would be a pretty good time for the Boston Bruins to go to plan B. Move out on a Jacob Chitron idea of trying to acquire him because the Bruins, they don't have, they don't have good enough of a package 
to offer up for, for Jacob Chytron. And I really want Jacob Chytron badly, but the reality is they don't have the, the prospect pool. What the Kings have certainly outweighs and, and is far and away even better than what the Bruins are offering in terms of prospects. And I've said this all along. The Arizona Coyotes are not going to just give away Jacob Chytron for nothing. They're not. So we got 60 seconds left before I wrap up the show. I just want to uh, point out real quick that this is the first day of spring training for Major League Baseball. And this is the first weekend coming up. It has, has also, by the way, today is St. Patty's Day. I keep forgetting that. That it is St. Patty's Day today. And that, wow, it looks like it looks like that um, right now down in Florida, the Red Sox are rocking the St. Patty's Day um, jerseys, the Irish green, and, and so forth, which is awesome. And I am I'm excited. I am fired up. I am ready to roll. And this whole weekend is going to be a weekend full of games. It's going to be full of. Um, great spring training games to watch. I don't know how many of you like to watch spring training games, but I do. I love sitting at home watching the spring training action on MLB Network or MLB TV if you happen to be uh, a subscriber to that as well and and just watch games. So it's going to be a good one. Tomorrow you have a full slate of games, Astros, Cardinals, Red Sox, and Rays. 105, Blue Jays, Orioles, Phillies, Tigers. There's a whole slate of games tomorrow. But I'm ready. I am so ready for baseball season to start. Spring training games start today. Let's go. Let's get it. And that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Shukri Wright Show, filling in for Subliminal Yogurt, 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford Touch Free from Radio. Thank you for tuning in. This is Shukri Wright signing off. Until next time, you're listening to 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford, Touch Free from Radio, streaming nationwide on the Tootin' Radio app and globally on WMFO.org. Peace. Okay, Sarah, I'm dropping you at Emily's, and Josh, you're going to soccer, right? Yeah. Yep. Oh, and by the way, when I pick you up, I'll be wearing my short shorts. What? No! Yep, me and my short shorts doing my daddy dance. Your friends will love it. No! Well, I might change my mind if you buckle your seatbelts. Okay, okay, we're buckling up. See, all buckled. Whatever it takes, keep them safe. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. Now you can't sleep, so you don't even want to